0: On the Record, with White House correspondent April Ryan. I talked with activist and writer Sean King, who's at the 110th NAACP convention, after he talked to the NAACP's young conventioneers about activism. We talked about issues of police-involved abuses. And what next?
1: The young people in the room, you know, one of the things that I try to encourage them to even begin seeing themselves, like, those young people aren't the leaders of tomorrow. Those young people on the front lines today. Today, right now. They are, they are organizing in their high schools, in their cities, on their college campuses right now. And I just wanted them to understand that I'm, I'm 39. I'm old enough to be some of their you know—some of their parents that I see them as today's leaders. And I just want them first to understand that um, elders in the room value them and love them and respect them. And, um, and that we know that they are often experiencing this discrimination themselves in cities and counties that never get the coverage. Be it not just police violence, but racial injustice all over the country. And so, part of what I wanted to communicate to them is that we see them, we hear them, we understand them. And um, you know, part of what I tried to tell several young people in the room, as I had even not just from the mic, but just speaking to them one one on one, is that. There's value in organizing yourselves to fight back, that there might be times where we're fighting against police brutality and our hope is to get an arrest or conviction or to get some type of justice. I just want them to understand that there are victories that they can have along the way, that organizing yourself is a victory, that understanding your agency and your power and your voice is is a victory itself. And that we might not always get and accomplish the goals that it is that that we're fighting for, but there can be some wins along the way. Um, some of it is just them understanding that there's nobody they need to be waiting for. Like it's it's on it's on all of us. It's on them. And um, part of what we're also hoping to communicate to young people is just the power of collaboration. On our panel today, it wasn't just a black panel. We had. Um, uh, a brilliant young Latina leader, uh, Christian Sin And yo- this generation is more intersectional than my generation was of young people are saying, hey, we have more common problems that we understand that cross racial, uh, generational, national boundaries. And so young people are finding smart ways to to get over the things that divided us previously.
0: So that's interesting. I mean, you said so much there, and I can pick out a lot of things out of that. But going back to the moment, they are the leaders of today, these young people. I think about Ferguson. You were part of Black Lives Matter. I think about Ferguson. I think about so many places where they were able to get a seat at the table, but a lot of times they didn't want to go back with Jesse Jackson and talk to him or with Al Sharpton because they thought that was yesterday. And there's something to be learned if I'm correct, from history, and do you believe that there will be or there needs to be a coming together of the elders and the young people of today? Because some things weren't there like leveraging. They got to the table, but sometimes they weren't able to leverage. I'll
1: tell you, and, and let me defend young people, not just in Ferguson, but around the country. A lot of times, and I, I, I revere Jesse Jackson, and Al Sharpton as a hero of mine still, and he does, they both do work that I think a lot of people don't quite understand the value of, of the work that they do. And have but, done. Yeah, and have done and continue to do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of young people today, including in Ferguson, were rejected by churches, mm-hmm. rejected by establishment politicians. And so by the time Reverend Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson or someone else showed up, these young people had already been rejected by so many other people that they had put up a barrier that made it very difficult for them to to trust elders. Not because they don't trust elders, but because they have been rejected by so many elders. And I've seen this in... I've seen it in Baltimore, I've seen it in New York, I've seen it in Los Angeles.
0: And I'm from but, Baltimore, I know what you're talking about.
1: From and, and so, a lot of our young people, for instance, they didn't grow up in church, they don't. They they may see themselves in a way that doesn't quite make sense in the church environment, and so in our communities, we have to find ways to bridge the gap between...
0: Reach bet- them where they and, are.
1: Yeah, to reach them where they are, and... and too many too many churches, pastors and and politicians have kind of put their nose up at at young people today and it's caused them to put up a bit of a a barrier there and uh, we have to work on that and that's mm-hmm. I think elders have to own have to own that and mm-hmm. kind of say that's not okay and and maybe someone. That's, that's in my generation, younger younger than Reverend Sharpton and others, can be a bridge between. Like, I see myself, like, I was shocked even all around the country, I'm, I'm about to turn 40, I'm often the oldest person in the room. And like, you know, I'm, I can be a bridge and people from my generation can maybe be a bridge between these two generations.
0: Wow, now the leverage piece, are young people equipped when the fight comes to them, to be able to leverage to get what they want?
1: Well, sometimes, you know, young, young people are learning on the fly what it means to have political power. And that's the brilliance of why we need and value the NAACP.
0: And these conventions. Right.
1: The, you know. the, now this is the 110th year for the NAACP, which is in and of itself... Amazing that we still have institutions that have if you think of all that the NAACP had to survive over 110 years but the NAACP provides training support systems that young people need and and, but what happens is When young people are reacting to a local story of injustice they may react outside of the structures of the NAACP the structures of 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 the urban league or other organizations that have long history so we just have to find ways to train to train our young people to connect with them to to show them how they can use and leverage their power Mm -hmm. like i think what we found in 2014 2015 2016 is they can build awareness Mm -hmm. they can young people forced not just the phrase black lives matter but young people forced the crisis of police brutality into the news stream making it for the yeah the lead story in the world for 2014 mm-hmm. and and many of those young people are now some of them are working on campaigns then they are that's five years ago mm-hmm. so many of them are leaders today and so uh, you have to also have grace and patience with young people like um, what they may not know today they may know next year two years from now like what happens is we often look at we often look at the whole civil rights movement, let, let's say 1954 to 1969, and we judge this movement on the whole civil rights movement. And what I'm saying is, we have to we have to give this current movement time. It's growing, it's improving, it, you know, and, and and give them time to learn those lessons and get better. And
0: my last question, um, Eric Garner. Yeah. Uh, no justice. Um, he cried out eleven times I can't breathe and you said something so poignant it wasn't just this administration that failed him
1: well it's easy to um, to lay this last decision the Justice Department decided they weren't gonna prosecute officer Daniel Pantaleo for civil rights violations for killing Eric Garner and it's
0: the internal investigation from the NYPD
1: well you know the The federal government and the Justice Department could have prosecuted him. Yes, they could But the truth is, there are about seven different systems that failed the Garner family. The, The NYPD itself could have done better, should have done better. The mayor of New York should have done better. I was close friends with Erica Garner, the daughter of Eric Garner. And Mayor de Blasio and Governor Cuomo both promised Erica and the family that they would make sure the family got justice, and they didn't do that. The Obama administration and both Eric's mother, wife and family all talked to me about meetings they had with the Justice Department. Attorney General Eric Holder promised the family that they would make sure the investigation was closed before the Obama administration was over. Loretta Lynch promised that. President Obama himself promised Erica Garner that he would make sure that that case was closed before he left office. And I think the Obama administration made a mistake that millions of people made. They thought Hillary Clinton was going to be elected. And they thought that they were going to pass the baton of the Justice Department to a Hillary Clinton administration. And what happened is the Obama administration Justice Department not only left the case of Eric Garner open to, to even pass, like, why would you ever pass that case to the Trump administration? They did that for thousands of cases. They sent letters for instance to almost 15,000 people saying they were considering their clemency cases but I think they thought they were going to be able to pass those clemency cases over to a Hillary Clinton justice department thousands of people that thought they were going to get justice from Eric Holder, Loretta Lynch, Barack Obama and others and they never got it and so the whole system failed Eric Garner and the Garner family the Trump administration included but we have to we have to take a step back and say, this, these weren't just conservatives who failed this family. This were Democrats and Republicans alike, who all made promises that they didn't deliver. And, and it's painful for them. Um, if you've seen the videos of Eric's surviving daughter and others, they're crushed by this. And so many people,
0: Gwen Carr's mother,
1: absolutely, his his mother, his widow, his children, his grandchildren. They've all They've all been wronged by the entire system. and um, it shows us that our problems aren't just about elect Democrats. That's, that doesn't solve all because we had Democrats in power who did nothing for this family. So we have to even hold the Democrats we elect. We have to hold them accountable as well.
0: Thank you every day for chronicling our story. I mean, people think this is just now. I mean, we heard um, of the Kerner Commission report. You know, with all of this in the 60s. And, you know, we came to this nation 400 years ago and we've had policing issues since then.
1: 400 years this year. This is the 400th year of Africans being in this country. And um, so we need to understand that We've been fighting for justice for all 400 years and and that that fight will continue.
0: I'm so glad to work with you. Keep telling our story. Thank you. Thank you so much. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.